In this week's podcast, we talk to actor Tom Chambers about a brand new online play called Apollo 13, The Dark Side of the Moon, which you can stream from October 8th till December the 31st. Thanks again to everyone who subscribed or left a review on their favourite podcast platform. Don't forget to come and find us on social media at Space and Things 1 on Twitter and at Space and Things Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. A special thanks to those who have joined us over on Patreon too, www patreon.com forward slash space and things but right now sit back and enjoy episode five of the space and things podcast you're listening to the space and things podcast with emily carney and dave giles Hello, I'm Dave Giles and welcome to episode 5 of Space and Things. Uh, I'm all alone this week. About two hours before Emily and I were due to record, we heard the news uh, of the unexpected death of Al Halonquist. I really hope I'm saying his name correct. Uh, One of Emily's friends and a big character within the space world. If you're on Space Hipsters uh, on the Space Hipsters Facebook page, uh, then I'm sure you've seen numerous tributes. uh, But I thought I'd read this one from David Chudwin. Our collected friends like some people collect postage stamps, and it was a pleasure for me to get to know him at the space events from 2006 onwards. Uncle Al was the astronaut wrangler for many of these space shows. He was a close friend with numerous aviators, test pilots and astronauts who trusted his selfless dedication to the aerospace community. Al had a background in law enforcement, although he had been retired for many years. Al was devoted to his family, and grandson Blake often accompanied him to space events. Al was a big man with an even bigger heart, and I shall miss his voice, great sense of humour, and friendliness. Rest in peace. I personally never met him, but reading some of these tributes, he really did feel seem like a great guy. Uh, so I would, of course, like to extend my condolences to his family, friends, and all who knew him. Uh, but yeah, that this week, you just have me. But Emily will be back next week. So a quick roundup of events that have happened this week. At the end of last episode, I said it looked like we had a weekend of launches coming up uh, with Blue Origin, uh, SpaceX and United Launch Alliance all due to, to have some launches. However, at the time of recording this, none of these launches have actually been able to happen. Combination of weather and technical problems has seen delays and scrubs. But hopefully that means we have a bumper week this week which is always fun. Uh, There's been a couple of minor dramas on the International Space Station uh, with a manoeuvre performed last week to avoid a large piece of space junk, uh, which was travelling pretty fast into the path of the station. And there has been a small air leak, uh, which has taken some time to locate. Uh, Whilst they are currently not concerned with the size of the leak, it is obviously important that they find it. The station has been inhabited for about 20 years now, and I guess it's easy for us to forget the hazards uh, which which can harm the astronauts and cosmonauts on board while they're in orbit. Uh, But this certainly is a timely reminder. Talking of the space station, NASA and SpaceX have had a press launch for the next Crew Dragon launch, targeting a launch date of the 31st of October at 2.40am Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, The crew of NASA astronauts Michael Hopkins, Victor Glover and Shannon Walker, along with Sochi Nagochi, I really hope I'm saying that right as well, of the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, will launch from Kennedy Space Center. Now, 
<laughs> I'm not a gambling man. Um, actually, let me rephrase that. I am a gambling man, but I don't have any money. Uh, uh, but I would bet a pretty sum that this launch will not go ahead on that date. But we can keep our fingers crossed, of course. Uh, they'll be going on board the space station for six months. And after the UK government have announced recently that uh, it's unlikely I'm going to be able to perform any gigs for the next six months, I wouldn't mind going with them sucks to be me. Anyway, finally, another find from within our solar system. Researchers have discovered three more underground lakes on Mars. Uh, due to the, I, I don't know if it's a lack of atmosphere or a thin atmosphere, uh, water on the surface doesn't really last long or at all on the surface of Mars. But underground, it's a different story. Uh, and this discovery is in the same area as a lake discovered in 2018. Uh, the lakes discovered this time cover, I think, one-fifth the size of Germany, so they're, they're pretty big. This is great news for those of us hoping to find life on Mars or hoping that we might be able to settle on Mars ourselves. Although it is thought that these lakes are particularly salty, uh, about five times... Oh. I don't know, but I think I've read five times. I may have made that up. Uh, they're a lot saltier than our own seawater, which unfortunately might make the prospect uh, of life within them being quite low. Um, but of course, I don't know how they make these discoveries or whether they've tested the water. So maybe that's all rubbish as well. We shall see. Uh, but I will post links in the description of this post with full articles so you can read up on this for yourselves. And uh, I, I hope you uh, you learned something probably more than I did. Uh, but it is a fascinating find either way. Stand by one. Yeah, I got him with the uh, Kevin Reprint valve in there, Jack. Every time he does that, our heart's coming our mouth. Now, those of you who follow my music career will be aware that I released a song in July called Maggie Knows about a wonderful woman called Maggie who I met in January of this year, uh, which seems forever ago. Uh, Maggie dropped me an email last month informing me of a new online play which I might enjoy called Apollo 13, Dark Side of the Moon. Maggie does indeed know. Uh, so I booked myself a ticket. And then I sent an email to the theatre production company uh, to find out some more information for the podcast. And to my delight, they sorted me out with an interview of one of the stars. So a bit of background information. Uh, I'm going to read this from the official press release. The original theatre company are delighted to present a new commission by Torben Betts, Apollo 13, The Dark Side of the Moon. The production will be available to watch via originaltheatreonline.com from 7.30pm on Thursday 8th of October until Thursday the 31st December 2020. I'm guessing that's British Standard Time. The play interweaves the dramatic events of 1970 with a present-day account by the two surviving astronauts, Lovell and Hayes. Torben Betts said, I was delighted when Alistair asked me to write a new play about the ill-fated voyage of Apollo 13, which took place 50 years ago. I have long been a bit of a space nerd, and like many last summer, I was transfixed by the various TV specials about the 1969 moon landings. Letting my imagination spend so much time floating around in space to write this has been a welcome relief from the situation on the ground at the moment, and has also helped me put things in a little bit of perspective. Co-director Charlotte Peters said, Having explored the new genre with our recent production of Birdsong, it's really exciting me to be pushing the online film boundaries further with this original adaptation of Apollo 13, both in terms of new filming techniques and inventive movement. I can't think of a better project to bring this medium as it interweaves an out-of-this-world true story with familiar themes of isolation, helplessness 
and an irrational sense of hope. So back to me. This all <laughs> this all seems very interesting, and I'm actually excited about watching it with some amusement of how they're actually going to make all this happen. Anyway, a few weeks back, I spoke to Tom Chambers, who's going to be playing Jack Swigert. Uh, British listeners may know Tom from Hol- Holby City or Waterloo Road, and he won season six of Strictly Come Dancing. And this is what happened when we spoke. Uh, Welcome, Tom. Uh, Tom Chambers, thank you very much for joining us on Space and Things. Uh, oh, that's so, great. Uh, it's, it's great to have you on. Um, so It's great to see your face. I can actually see your face. There you are. And I'm just saying I'm loving your guitars that you've got lined up. You're a man of the musical world. I mean, music in outer space. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's something I've tried to combine as well. I've actually got a, a song about um, about one of the Apollo astronauts called The Last Man on the Moon, which uh, is one of one of my uh, more successful songs, which is also nice. When you can merge a hobby together and, and with your job, that's always fun. Um, yeah. Which... Which does bring me on to, to you've obviously are now in a, in a play called Apollo Thirteen: Dark Side of the Moon. It's an online play, and is this a passion of yours, space travel and, and Apollo Thirteen, or is this just a job that you've fallen into? <laughs> oh my word! Well, there's two massive, great, big, big worlds here. One is the absolute. I mean, as a child looking up at the moon and thinking. How did the cow jump over the moon? (laughs) (laughs) I think it starts with a cow jumping over the moon. How is that possible? So the two big worlds are uh, the love of uh, being a child and and seeing some of those films, you know, the great, obviously Tom Hanks in Apollo 13 and all the, any space film is just, yes, it's the mysterious world, isn't it? It's the, Mm. it's the, it's the never ending, the never ending destiny into space and then star wars or things like or or whether you're a trekkie fan and all that so space yes on that hand there's always a fascination always it's like looking into water you can't see beyond you know what's is what's murking lurking there and then the other bit is the fact that um i mean who wouldn't want to play an astronaut they have to be the coolest people in the world is that the dedication as well for their personality to be able to perform under extreme pressure you know that you are I think that's why a lot of them were ex-fighter pilots, weren't they? Or they'd be landing. I mean, um, Jim Lovell getting the getting his job before becoming an astronaut was obviously landing aircraft at night onto um, you know onto ships. Uh, yeah. what, what are they called? Air What's carriers. Air carriers. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, and he said how uh, I remember because when we were doing the research for this and listening to him talk and and, and the other guys and the the documentaries. Him saying about his um, how things happen in life, hopefully that somehow help you in these in these dire situations. A bit like our times now in COVID. Hopefully, mm. glimmers of light somewhere will appear. Um, you know, silver lining. He said, "Well, coming in at night, that all the lights had gone on the carrier." Um, and I think, I think it was on the carrier, or was it even in the in the plane? No, I think it was on the carrier. In the plane, Do you know this? Yeah, in the plane. It's in his book, and it's, it's so it's. Uh everything shorted out and he had no electricity and he couldn't see the carrier because it was dark and they're in the, in, in the Pacific and he saw the algae in the, in the, in the sea. The phosphorescence. Yeah. Yes. And how, how incredible is that story? Yeah. Just guided him home as he says. I mean, Oh my word. I mean, that is, of course I forget that I'm talking to someone who knows all about space. <laughs> or just my ignorance. <laughs> of no, course you would know that. No, it's, it's, it's not ignorant at all. I was going to ask about your research for this role, because you play Jack Swigert. 
Yeah. And I, I wondered whether you knew of him before this uh, as Kevin Bacon or as Jack Swigert. Uh, <laughs> I did go back to look at the film because I, I needed to remind myself of all the technical aspects of which stages of the mission, where exactly did it all... Because in the script, it was quite it's quite techy and quite difficult to visualise. Mm. Um, so I thought, right, and, and it, it did explain it quite well. And then I thought, Kevin Bacon, wow, it's you. And, it, and you look really young. So, so actually, no, in this case, I knew Jack Swigert first. Fantastic. It was only when I watched the film that mm. I thought, oh, my word, there's, there's Kevin. Yeah. And it, it's, he's he's so unlike Jack as well. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it was clearly a big name cut. But in fairness, all all three of them they didn't go for people that looked like uh, who they're playing. Uh, with with perhaps exception to Gene Krantz and, and Ed Harris, I think there is a likeness there. But the, the rest of them, they they weren't looking for lookalikes. They they and and I think I like that about the film that um, that they didn't try and do that. Some films yeah. try and do it. And a couple of the actors do, and a couple of them don't. And then you're thinking about it, whereas they just went, no, let's not worry about that. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Don't try. I mean, you, A, you need artistic license, uh, and, and B, you, there's no point trying to, otherwise, what are you? You know, mm. what are you trying to be? You're trying to be a, a bit like that, and you're trying to be, just, yeah, deliver the goods in a really entertaining. And because that's the other thing, is that um, these guys these astronauts are talking about the pressure and dealing with situations and the pressure. It's a little bit like when I very got my first job uh, on Holby city, I had to go to the London heart hospital to watch open heart surgery in real life. Wow. And, and afterwards the consultant came over and he said, did you see that argument between us? Did you see how we nearly lost the patient? And I was like, what? That was an argument. You should come around our house. <laughs> I was like, if, you want to, if you want to see an argument, you should see it for real. And, and he was like, yeah, that was me telling him you very nearly nicked the main artery there or you vote, you know, and, and blah, blah, blah. But they were so measured. They were so calm mm. because obviously you've got a body with o open chest and they can't lose it in the same way we do. If someone's bumped your bumper in the, in, in, in the, uh, you know, supermarket car park, you're like, what are you doing? You know, look where you're going. Um, and that's the same with these guys in space. It's like, stay calm under pressure at all times. And yet for an audience, you know that you've got to, there has to be a little bit of um, dramatic license to, because it needs to be, oh, there's the drama, there's the dramatic moment. It's like, what are you doing? You can't handle the truth. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> for, for sure. Obviously, this year was the 50th anniversary of, of the Pilot 13 mission. And one of the things that the internet did rather wonderfully uh, was that they replayed the whole of the mission in real time. Um with all the mission audio, some clips that obviously filmed at the time, there's a website you could just log in at any time and be like, oh, what were they up to now? And you got to the key moments that, uh, and I sat up late for the, for the moment, for the Houston, we have a uh, problem moment because I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this. It was the start of lockdown. So I was, I had nothing else to do. Um, yeah. But I couldn't believe how calm the voices were of the three astronauts. Really? Uh, and it's almost, almost disconcerting knowing knowing what you know that actually they've just had an explosion on a spaceship and the three of them are saying sound so calm they, they sound like uh I, I don't know yeah like the fuse has just popped in the kettle exactly yeah. exactly uh, or, or they've run out of mugs that how that yeah. to make the tea oh who's who's gonna go and do the washing up lads yeah, uh, it's uh, that unless... level of calm, and and maybe the surgeon has different thoughts. But even in mission control as well, the guys in mission control are incredibly calm. 
there's only ever, like one or two moments where you pick up on something being like, yeah, they're beginning to realise this is quite big. But I think one of the reasons they didn't realise it was quite so big at first is because of how calm the astronauts were, were in sending down the problems. That must be rule book number one in space is that do not lose, do not lose your head. Yeah. Because you just be like, because you know yourself when if you get, you know, if it's a bit of road rage or something or someone's beeping, why are you, why are you beeping at me? You know, that sort of thing. It's like, you know that if, if, he, if it can stay with you for hours after that, you know, and you're thinking about it three hours later in the day and you're thinking, oh, that silly person who is, you know, oh, what's, oh. Mm. And like, no, you just need to let it go. Yeah. Otherwise it just, it, 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 it fogs your mind and fogs your decisions and care less is actually such a great, such a great word. So, so, tr- word. so true. So true. Yeah. Emily and I were actually having this conversation recently about, about the fact that those first astronauts, they were all test pilots, as you, as you, as you mentioned. So they all came from this test pilot background where everything was very checklist orientated. Everything came from, you know, the whole, that was a whole ethos of the moon missions. You're following your mission plan and the checklist and you're going through everything and it, anything that went wrong, there was a new checklist. Okay, let's go through the checklist. And they could keep it all together because they had this mentality. The downside is you lose some human moments because these people are so matter-of-fact and, and, and often they weren't very good at portraying, wow, I'm on the moon, or <laughs> look at the moon. You and I, if you, we were sent out there, even just in yeah. low Earth orbit, would be like, wow, what the yeah. hell? And you don't yeah. get those moments. So... Yeah, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, back in the 60s and 70s, after the first moon landing, people lost interest because these guys weren't very good at, at being emotional. Yeah, at celebrating or it's like, this is outstanding, you cannot believe this. Yeah. I mean, that's half, that's half the joy is listening to the commentators. If you can't watch something and you're listening, you know, on the radio too, the, the the test match or the cricket or the final or the race or the so he's, and he's going and he's getting and he's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's passing energy on isn't it for, it's just for like, sure um so so I and and that's where I feel like plays and films and and as you as you spoke about earlier they they can really help capture the imagination and and when I was a kid Apollo thirteen coming out when I was ten I was already into space but that really helped capture that sense of awe and wow, look at what they did and how cool is that and all yes. that kind of stuff. Do you, yeah. do, do you feel any sense of responsibility as an actor when you're portraying these these kind of roles? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the hardest thing is to convey the truth, but then also be aware of, like, you're, you're still trying to entertain an audience. And, and also, I mean, I felt nervous. I know we're bouncing around all over the place, but when we were f- filming this, basically what happened is that um, I'd worked on Dilemma for Murder, which hopefully, um, please, fingers crossed, will actually resume later on, you know, next year or something. But the same cast, myself, Chris Harper, Michael Salami, Dilemma for Murder, Alfred Hitchcock play, going mm. on tour. And then Chris phones up and says, oh, I did um, originaltheatreonline.com. I did this birdsong um, uh, play in your own home, you know, just trying to make the best of the best of um, everything being shut. He said, I've got involved in another one, Apollo 13, um, you know, 50 uh, anniversary. Are you in? But when they, they just sent it all in the post, I mean, literally, the green screen turned up, the lights turned up, 
the tripods, the sound equipment. It was shot on an iPhone 11, and then and then we had to download the software. You film it remote, so because you set your own camera up, but you can't see, you can't check yourself. So everything was having to talk to each other like we were sort of in our own little spaceship, but at home. I just did it in the <laughs> quietest room in the house, which conveniently was the loft that had just been we'd just gone up into the roof. So I did it in the quietest room in the house, which was quite hard with three kids. We were bouncing around all and it's still the summer holidays at the time. And it's like, get the kids out. I'm in space. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I felt the, I felt, I felt nervous just trying to get it right in, in, in the comfort of my own home. Uh, I am nervous now about how it's going to come out. How it's, gonna mm-hmm. look. it's coming out in October um, and it's October till December just for that limited run. So it's not going to be out there forever, which in some ways could be a good thing if we haven't done a good job. How they edit it together is going to be fascinating because um, that we did this via Zoom, that we were all on Zoom at the same time. The director was on Zoom. So we rehearsed on Zoom. And then when we came to filming it, um, same thing, all on Zoom. And then when she would say, okay, and go, like start the scene, we were hearing the voices of the other guys on Zoom but then we had our own microphone here, so it wasn't too much interference. And we basically filmed the whole scene, and then we'd finish that scene and move on to the next, or it'd bounce around. So that's how we actually did it. So I have no idea how they're actually going to string this together <laughs> and put it together and make it. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's going to be quite, well, it's a mystery at the moment. Yeah, so, so you're just as intrigued to watch it as I am right now. <laughs> Yeah, I am. I am. I think it was really well written as well. Actually, consideration. Um, Torben Betts, who, who's written it, obviously he's not. He's not gone to the film. He's gone to the the, the, the transcripts and the yeah. the conversation and, and all that. So he's. It's really. It is really. It's quite powerful. I mean, obviously. I mean, to get the chance to say, Houston, we have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> in my in my best American accent. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's. Uh, and just lines like that, you do not want, you, you don't want to mess up. I mean, that's just, that's silly, but it, it still crosses your mind. Yeah. Um, we have uh, we have a couple of patrons and, and we have a tier, an astronaut tier, uh, where they get to ask questions of, of our guests. So um, Amar has, has asked asked a question, which I think is relevant now. So I'm going to drop this in. He said, um, so obviously, obviously you've played a doctor and now you've played an astronaut. Do you enjoy the challenge of learning dialogue? full of jargon and complex terms and do you try to make sure you know what you're talking about when you have passages like that oh that's such a good question and i can tell you right now that it, the fear in my body when i started trying to become you know playing a doctor uh, a, a cardiothoracic registrar i mean i hadn't even i hadn't even heard of a registrar <laughs> before i got it, it would be like you could see the word coming up in your mind before you got there. So you're saying the dialogue in the scene and you go, this word's coming up, it's coming up, it's coming up, it's coming up. <clears throat> Six months it took to get the, the jargon down. So you could just say it tripping me off the tongue without even having to think about it. And one that I'm going to say is transitophagia like a cardiogram. You're going to need an angiogram stat, you know, and I can, you can remember them because I drilled them in. It was like, it's like your daily drill. You know, you could be out there marching about these words. And the other thing is actually it's the, it's actually the muscles in the mouth. So in terms of the second part of the question about did I know what I was talking about, I didn't, I didn't know straight away. Um, you try to get a vague idea so your brain can go, okay, what colour is that? Yes, okay, it's, that's a really serious word. Uh, or that's, okay, that's quite light. And that's just, mm. this is just a matter of fact. You know, if you can just say, ma- doctors are so matter of fact. I think if you can just say something with conviction, it doesn't matter if you don't quite know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> bit like life um, yeah 
And the, <laughs> the most important thing is that the mouth, the muscles in the mouth is just like playing a sports shot. You're taking a kick, you're kicking into the top right-hand corner, or you're taking a tennis racket and you're doing a backhand. The muscle memory, there is a memory in your muscle, and it's the same in your mouth. Your mouth has to get used to saying that word. So what I do is just say it over and over again, like transesophageal, transesophageal, transesophageal. So, so when we, on, on the mission, we were saying, um, screw it, set, uh, S4B, S4B to, oh, I've lost it now, what well, that was, short-term memory. But yeah, all those, those bits of jargon, you just know you can, you, you, you've, you've got to be able to say it without just flu- fluid. Was that the question? Yeah, it was, that was, yeah, basically it was, it was, yeah. And it was, do I enjoy, do I enjoy that? I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, um, it's a love-hate relationship. It's great when you, when you practice it enough that you can, you can, yeah, I mean, you're just trying to fulfill the job and do the job well. But yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's a good challenge. Did you have a consultant, was a director well, well enough, uh, or the writer well enough versed to, to kind of guide you if you were saying something wrong or pronouncing something wrong? Yes, uh, Charlotte Peters, director, and, and Alistair, um, they, they really knew their stuff. I mm. mean, when we got to rehearsals, uh, they, they, were, they, they seemed to be really on it. Whether they knew it and though they were blagging it, they sounded very convincing. Um, they were very open to change as well. But no, a lot of it was just that they just sent us the links to everything, some brilliant podcasts, some brilliant you know, tutorial uh, um, documentaries. And then, of course, I watched the original film as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was just Hollywood. Um, so, yeah, no, it was all self. It was a self-motivated project, really, from that point of view. I and mean, you know, we're old enough now that we're not being spoon-fed all this. We didn't have the luxury of, yes, having a... Uh, but we did have a brilliant movement um, director, Simon... Was it, who was it? Simon Putnam, who, who did Curious Incident. Oh, really? Um, yeah, he was fantastic because trying to reenact being able to move around in, in your home, because obviously your hands can move, you know, you can move your hands around at normal speed, but you just know that you're the feeling of weightlessness, which I'm trying to emulate now for you on, on the zoom. You're just constantly moving. It's like you're a slug, but your sort of tentacles can move a bit faster or something like that. You know, it's that, and actually I hopefully not giving you up too much away, but um, the gym ball, the big blow up bouncy gym ball or birth birthing ball, but sitting on that um, rather than sitting on a stool, you could just gently kind of move your, move your bottom around on it and, and you'd always be sort of giving off the impression you were slightly weightless genius genius yes <laughs> you would have known it's yeah. a giant we're sitting on a giant blow up ball to give the impression <laughs> of zero gravity takeoff we had a, a genuine uh, this fan in America had had, had um, recreated one of the original spacesuits, uh, and it's not an original, but he'd he'd replicated it. So that was one of the biggest bits of the production of this particular, you know, very DIY homemade um, theatre online thing. Is it, it was a suit, and we had to go into a studio for that because mm. the suit itself was quite valuable. I.e., they had to insure the suit because um, you're going to get three actors going. Apparently, Ryan Gosling was in that suit oh, wow. for the first man. Yes. Mm. Which of course you must have seen. So because of COVID, we had to have 72 hours b- between. We had one suit for three men. <laughs> wow. So we had to do the same day three times. Um, so we would be on zoom when it was someone else's turn. They'd be in the studio, uh, which is basically just a, a, a big room somewhere in West London that was convenient for everyone to get to. Um, and uh, so they would be in the spacesuit, and they'd be like doing all the, you know, te- you know, and they would be jiggling about as the, you know, as the G's came on, you know, one G and four G and all that sort of. Thing. Um, 
whereas we'd be at home going, uh, filling in the lines, just going, <laughs> yep, yep, okay, you're right on trajectory, Jim, you know, and, uh, and oh, you're right on, yep. And uh, it's fun, but then I had to wait three days for the next person, then three days for the next person, then in between those three days, we'd obviously do the other scenes. But yeah, Ryan Gosling wore that suit. That was our little claim. Like it was like, hey, we're not the only person who's been in this suit because he was in that <laughs> very particular. So when you watch this, mark my words, you can have a look at, you can watch that and go, that's the suit that Ryan Gosling wore in First Man. I love that. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a yeah. wonderful, wonderful <laughs> stat there. That's a good factoid. Yeah, that's I a love good it. Fact, yeah. Have you got any final thoughts of things you'd like to say? I, I, for me, I... The Apollo 13 mission is is really apt for this year because it is about facing adversity and uh, and not losing hope. Um, but but do, do you do you have any other thoughts you have on on portraying Jack Swigert or or the play uh, as it's about to come out? Yeah, I, I just feel that uh, obviously this was um, uh, that they they thought that the parallel universe of what's going on in real life and the parallel universe of that these three guys claustrophobic place in space and um and the fear of uh the unknown the solutions the making the best of so it was it feels like it it, it hopefully will be sort of quite a, a poignant reflector for for people um you know when they can um tune in and and have a look at this when it's available in october it's also you know it's a mongrel um it's not theater it's the best of trying to make theater available mm. in your own home but it's not a big multi-million pound Hollywood budget. So hopefully that's also part of the interest is what can be done with little in a small space, but make it good and, and valuable. And it's, it's all about the storytelling and that. So I just think it's, um, it's a really, really well-written, nice piece of work that connects to everything that's been going on in the last six months. And we're creatures of togetherness is one of the main points about all this. And, and actually micro exchanges that I was hearing about last week is how important even just um, waving at the postman or post lady or, or at a neighbor or just saying hello or letting someone come through a doorway, these micro exchanges, they're small things, but collectively they make up a big deal uh, of your kind of overall well-being and happiness. And that's why we know as humans being confined, trapped in this very small space called our own living rooms during mm. this, this time, that sense of being trapped but keeping it cool and just knowing, you know, keeping a ray of hope and all that sort of thing. Because I mean, it's an incredible story, this. Mm. And the fact that, like you said, people sort of lost interest because, like, well, it's been done. You know, I mean, it was actually the fact that it was a near absolute incredible disaster to have an explosion, mm. you know, for, for the side of your, your vehicle to blow up in out of space. I mean, that's just like game over and you're, you're, how many days away from getting back to the garage to fix it? <laughs> <laughs> so simple Simon says, so no, it's just a really wonderful, a really wonderful thing to be a part of. Cause we're all just uh, as, as you, we're all just doing our best right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, well, good luck with it. I hope it goes really well. I'm looking forward to watching it myself. A, a, fr a friend of mine sent me the link and said, you, you, you've got to watch this. I was like, oh, yes, I do. I'm going to have to watch it. And, uh, I'm oh, gl good. So I'm, I'm glad I'm glad we're allowed to have a, have a talk and find out a little bit more about how it was done. I, I'm fascinated by the fact you all were at home on your own. And oh, it was, no. it's, it's, I have no idea how it's going to come out. And, and you're right. You have to remember, this isn't a, a Hollywood production. But but the story is strong enough that I don't think it needs to be. Yeah, 
It's, it's the scripts and the acting, and it's this bigger gamble for me as well, because obviously we're all doing American as well, and you're like, oh, did that really sound American? We're doing our best under the, under the, under the premise that we have, uh, but I, I think that if I was someone watching, I'd go, actually, I don't want to watch a multi-million pound great big budget. I don't want to, you know, these big out-of-space films, uh, huge budgets, Whereas I thought, I want to try something slightly different where it's not quite as big. Yeah. And it's like, I can't go to the theatre, but I'll get as close to it because it's kind of a, it's kind of a cosy theatre experience without being all the bells and whistles. So I think it's just intrigue more than anything. I, I think it's a great project. I think it's, it's ambitious. And because even the idea of doing a, any kind of space thing on a stage is crazy, let alone everyone in their house. Uh, yeah, isolated. It's 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 a wonderful idea, and I really, I was just say, I really hope it, it works out well for you, and uh, and and people are res- respect that that you've done it the hard way, uh, yeah, and that you're at least trying to do something different and new to bring art to people and to give people some escapism, and and a story which hopefully will fill people with hope as well. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much, Tom. I've really enjoyed getting to getting to hear your stories about this, and uh, and thanks for spending some time with me. You're welcome. And good luck with it all. Thanks a lot. What a lovely man Tom is. It's so open. I really felt like we were old friends as we were talking. Uh, he really took the time to get to know me a little bit before we started the interview. It was such a lovely, lovely man. So I hope you enjoyed that interview. Um, I love the fact that he's honest enough to admit that he's nervous about how this is going to appear uh, and how it's going to come out. Um, but this interview really made me more excited to watch the play when it comes out. Hopefully it may have got you intrigued as well. And uh, you can book your tickets at www.originaltheatreonline.com. Uh, I'll give my thoughts on it in a couple of weeks when I've been able to watch it. But if anyone else books a ticket and watches it, please let me know what you think. Uh, it's not just a UK thing either. You can book a ticket to watch this from any part of the world. I made sure I asked about that. The full unedited video of the interview with Tom is available for our Patreon subscribers. He did a few visual demonstrations of how... He acted out weightlessness, which just didn't really work in podcast form. Uh, so you can watch that over there if you're interested. So that's all we have time for this week. I know it's not the same without Emily. And this is always going to be better when it's a conversation rather than just me talking into a microphone. Uh, But she will be back next week. And obviously, uh, this is how it had to be this week. Um, Normal service shall resume. And a massive thank you to all those who have listened this far. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the interview and my roundup of the news as I saw it. Uh, So please do get in contact on social media and let me know what you thought. And tune in next week. But remember, in space, no one can hear you stream. Space and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions. <laughs>